live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. It's just me today. Ed's still out at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. We'll actually catch up with Ed uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, but I am all alone today. We're going to have a whole bunch of guests. Uh, we'll talk to Cassie Soto, Ben Brown, as usual, on a Friday, but we've got a lot from Radio Row to get to as well. And make sure you stay tuned. We have John Mayer tickets to give away later in the show. The First Bite. Is this going to be a boring Super Bowl? So here's my fear, and that's that we're going to have a terrible Super Bowl. That we're going to have a blowout, like we're going to have worst case scenario, and this game is going to be over in like the second quarter, right? That we're not even going to get a competitive second half. What was it? Uh, seven years ago when Seattle just destroyed Denver, and it was garbage time for two, three, and three and a half quarters of that game. So, like worst case scenario is that Cincinnati's offensive line finally catches up to them, right? Like this is, they've survived, right? They've won three games. They've survived on it. This is the best defensive front they're going to face in the playoffs. Like Aaron Donald and Von Miller and the rest of the Rams defense. This is is as good as it's been for the Bengals to face in the postseason. And I think there's a pretty early, easy path to the Rams getting a big lead and the game being over the game being non-competitive. And that's if Joe Burrow and the offense can't move any, move the ball, right? Like in one area that can play out where there's sacks, there's incompletions and Joe Burrow and the Bengals simply don't move the ball and they have to punt a lot. And the Rams just get, you know, three, four, five scoring opportunities before the Bengals even get one. But there's also the probability of turnovers, right? Turnovers are, turnovers are the hardest thing to predict in football. Like when you're looking at it from, okay, how do we, you know, numbers wise, figure out what we can predict into the future. Turnovers are the the hardest thing in football. And it's one of the main reasons why football is slightly uh, unpredictive, but the best way and best has an asterisk because it's still not a good way, but the best way to predict turnovers is pressure. Like when you get pressure on a quarterback, two things are more likely to happen. One, they're more likely to get hit and fumble. And two, they're more likely to throw a poor pass. So pressure is really the main way to predict turnovers, even if it's a bad way. But that's possible here. Joe Burrow, a strip sack coming, or Joe Burrow just simply bad passes because he's under pressure. We haven't seen that happen. Joe Burrow's been great at it, but it's certainly a possibility here. And that, I think, is my biggest fear, that we get a blowout Super Bowl here. The other way, I guess the, the, the easiest way to see the Rams getting blown out would be like Matt Stafford pick sixes. Like He led the league in pick sixes this year. So that's probably the easiest way to see the Rams getting blown out. Other than that, I don't know that the Rams really can get blown out by Cincinnati. I mean, obviously anybody can, but it's, it's going to be hard to do it unless there's some Stafford turnovers, unless there's some pick sixes that are involved there or interceptions that set the Bengals up inside the 10 or whatever it is. I think that's the easiest way the Rams get blown out. Otherwise, feels like the Rams will at the very least be in this. So that's my biggest fear. I will say I am hopeful because it feels like the Bengals have played every game close. So it feels like they've got a shot to just, yeah, they'll at least keep it close. And I don't know, is close down 10 in the fourth quarter? Like we've had, what is it? The last, when's the last time we had a one possession Super Bowl? We haven't had one in a while. It was the Eagles Patriots. 
New England beat the Rams by 10. Kansas City beat San Francisco by 11. And Tampa beat Kansas City last year 31 to 9. Which, granted, not all those were, none of those were actually like true blowouts in the second quarter that were over. They were still, you know, in the balance, I guess. But those games weren't coming down to the final couple of minutes like we hope this one. I also think, from a probability standpoint, we're due for a blowout in the playoffs. I mean, we've had the last six postseason games. Five ended on the last play. And the only one that didn't, Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pick in the final minute. Like, the last six games have been great. Only Here's another way to phrase it. Of the last six NFL games, only one has ended on a kneel down. That's it. That One of the last six, which is incredible to think about. So we're probably due for a bad game in the playoffs, which is unfortunate. We had a very boring first round. Where like the most exciting thing was what Derek Carr throwing a pick in the end zone, right? That was like the most exciting finish. And then since then the playoffs have been phenomenal. Well, you for you forget about the debacle in Dallas. Oh, that's right. That was a lot of fun too. Yes. I wouldn't say good, but fun. And I'll sign up for that. If you tell me one of these teams just completely screws up the end of a game, that's the best case scenario, by the way. Close game and somebody just fails at the end. And not even not like Evan McPherson misses a 38-yard field goal. I mean, like, a coach forgets to call a timeout or calls too many timeouts or calls a quarterback draw when they don't have enough time to get up and spike it. Any of that would be tremendous fun. I wonder who would be – what would be more fun? If it happens to McVay or Zach Taylor? I don't feel like anybody knows who Zach Taylor is. No, probably not. Like, he's the coach of a team in a Super Bowl. Obviously, people in the NFL know who Zach Taylor is. But this has got to be like one of the least recognizable head coaches in in that's made it to a Super Bowl. Well, I would I would say the the team in general is probably the because I mean think about it, Cincinnati hasn't been in this spot in decades. How many people saw them make it and were instantly all right? I need to learn their roster. I need to know who the commentators are going to be talking about. It is Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And then after that, who would people know on the Bengals? I don't think people know would know outside of people that play fantasy football. I don't think anybody knows T Higgins or Tyler Boyd or CJ Uzama or Joe Mixon. Maybe Mixon. But I, that's would, it. I would say Mixon out of all of those. And then defensively, I mean, Hendrickson's the best player. Is he, is he remotely popular? Like, I, I have to imagine there's a lot of people that are going to sit down and watch the Super Bowl that consider themselves, you know, a casual football fan. Don't know a single player on the Cincinnati defense. Like, they'll they'll know who Aaron Donald is or Von Miller or Jalen Ramsey. But, like. Right. Well, because all of those guys are top of the game. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't. We can. I don't know if there's a Cincinnati defender. That's right. Trey really Hendrickson's the, the closest you can probably get. And he's. And maybe Eli Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Their secondary has been a good sum of its parts, but it's not like, oh, they've got one guy that's just been phenomenal. So it's a out. I mean, Burrow, obviously a lot of headlines, Joe Burrow, but outside of that, it's a pretty nondescript team and it's Cincinnati Bengals, which I don't know. Does that make them to win more or less? I like, I like fun storylines. So part of that makes me want them to lose, but I also enjoy watching Joe Burrow. So him winning would be fun, but then that's, but that's it. Like, Right. I'm going to watch Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase celebrate, and then that's it. If the Rams win, we get Odell Beckham and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, right? Like, all three of those are going to be terrific fun, and that's not even the quarterback. Like, 
I don't personally care too much about the Matt Stafford, like, oh, he's proving he can do it. But it's better than, like, anything outside of Burrow or Chase on the Bengals would offer from a so fun it, standpoint. if L.A. wins, do we get uh, Stafford trying to replicate Brady's celebration last year? Throwing the... Uh, Throwing the Lombardi Trophy between boats out in the Pacific, Pacific Ocean. They're just in the ocean somewhere. <laughs> uh, I think we'd need. No, we'd need Odell Beckham to top it. We need Odell Beckham to go on a uh, parade through Cleveland with the Super Bowl trophy. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. Is that Odell? Do they do they they need to do like they do day with the Stanley Cup, day with the Lombardi, and Odell takes it to sense uh, to Cleveland. That would be a lot of fun. I'm on board for that. One other thing on the Super Bowl here that's very important: C.J. Uzama, Bengals tight end. He said that the Bengals, or if the Bengals win the Super Bowl, he will take a bath in Skyline Chili. So that is one reason to cheer for Cincinnati. Or you can be horrified of Skyline Chili and not want to see it get any publicity at all and hope they lose so that this doesn't happen. I'll be honest. I had to look up what it was. Oh, me too. I still don't really know what it is. And it's it's basically just chili on top of spaghetti. That's yeah. what Cincinnati chili is, I guess. Yeah, and cold cheese. It. I don't know. It doesn't really look that appetizing. No, not at all. It sounds... Like not, you can buy it in a can too, by the way. So you can take Skyline Chili with you anywhere in the world. Because apparently that's that's the important part is to have Skyline Chili anywhere in the world. But that's it. So I'm a little fearful we get a blowout tonight. That's my main concern here. Because listen, the only thing I care about, well, I'll care about two things when I'm watching the Super Bowl. A, I hope it's close and entertaining throughout the majority of the game, right? If somebody wins by 10 in the last five minutes, aren't that fun? Sure, whatever. But at least have the game relatively interesting for three quarters, three and a half quarters. That's my main concern. The other concern is whatever stupid prop bets I bet on, I hope they hit. Oh, uh, that was great. I was looking at them last night. I think I placed like 13 or 14 yeah. of them. That's the other thing. I, I, I'll have to go today and place them. But that's the only other thing I'll care about is just random. Will a team kick a field goal in the second quarter? I don't know. Something stupid like that. That's, that's what I'm cheering for. I took uh, one of mine. I took... Total field goals made over three and a half, mainly because that McPherson's like, averaging four a game. That sounds like a safe bet. And both teams to hit a field goal over 35 yards, which is being down at the 18-yard line and yeah. kicking a field goal. The over three and a half, that sounds like a good one. I'm going to have to bet that one, too. And there's That sounds like one. free money, so, so it's going to lose. But that sounds like free money. field goals, and they also have over four and a half attempted field goals. Oh, McPherson doesn't miss, so that's just just put them all in the made field goals. Exactly. Yeah, be fun. All right, coming up next, Mel Renfro joins the show. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. Earlier, we caught up with Dallas Cowboys legend, pro football Hall of Famer, Mel Renfro, out at Radio Row. Joining us now from Radio Row, pro football Hall of Famer, Mel Renfro. How are you today, Mel? How's Radio Row treating you? Good. Very good. Keeping me busy. Keeping little, you busy? A little cold in here, but it is. otherwise <laughs> not, it's, it's nice. It's freezing. It was like 85 degrees outside yesterday. Then you had to put the jacket on when you came in. Right. Of course, oh, your man. jacket is nicer than everyone else's. <laughs> 
Your gold jacket's much nicer than my black windbreaker. Well, it's nice, but it's not warm. <laughs> They're not. Wait, wait, wait. The Hall of Fame jackets aren't warm. They don't keep you warm. <laughs> no. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get to work on that. So these Hall of Fame jackets are better. Um, Mel, I did, I did want to ask you about uh, the Cincinnati Bengals here. I'm curious, like, what have you thought of Joe Burrow? Because this time last year, Joe Burrow coming off an injury, I don't think anybody really would have expected the Bengals would have been anything close to a Super Bowl contender. And yet, here we are talking about the Cincinnati Bengals almost winning a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I like the guy. I like him a lot. I like him as, uh, so far as I'll, you know, pick them to win the game. You know, he's got a swagger about him. He's got a confidence, and uh, he just looks like, he, he, no matter what, he's going to find a way to get the job done. So I, uh, I really like him. Bill, do you remember any, uh, I'm sure you do, uh, all the years you played, Pro Football Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer, who had the most swag? Because Joe Burrow's a young kid. He likes to kind of wear the mink coats, chains, and the glasses and everything, kind of bring out the swag. Were any guys in your time, like, uh, who, who was the swag guy back in your time? Joe Namath. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Like oh, you, pulled, you didn't pull I that mean, out of your Yeah, <laughs> and he, he called the shots, too. He said, you know, he predicted, and, you know, he, he did. The, he's a great thrower. I mean, I just love the way he played quarterback. And uh, Holly, he's a Hollywood guy. You yeah. know, they did, the thing about today's players, there's too many of them. You know, back then, <laughs> we had our select few, and, and he was one. But, uh, yeah, I, I like I like Joe. I does, like him a lot. does Joe Burrow need to call his shot to uh, reach Joe Namath's level? Well, I think he could. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put it put it past him, and I, I think he'd be right on if he did. You know, it'd probably get him a lot more attention. Of course, he's already got a lot of attention. Yeah. It'd get him more, but, uh, yeah. Like I said, I like the guy. I just his swagger. It's just something about him that he knows how to, to, to say the things and do the things and go a great player. And Obviously, he's got a good football team behind him because uh, he can't do it alone. So looking forward to a good game on Sunday. Is there a main reason? I know you mentioned Joe Burr. Is there a main reason, though, you picked the Bengals? Uh, mainly because of him. Okay. Yeah, you know, quarterbacks nowadays can get it done. Uh, they they can control uh, the tempo. They, they can control the ups and downs, and uh, he's the type of guy that can do that. And you know, he, he, he proved it with uh, uh, Mahomes. You know, he can get it done, and uh, Rogers, Aaron Rodgers, he can, he can get it done. I think he's one of those guys that he puts his mind to it. He can get the job done. Pro Football Hall of Famer Mel Renfro with us. Um, all right, Mel, I got to ask you, what's it going to take for the Cowboys to actually get to this stage one day? Mental toughness. You know, I, I, I think they've got it too easy. You know, they got a lot of guys with a lot of notoriety and make a lot of money and they're, they're pumped and pampered. Uh, I think it's going uh, to come down to some mental fit, uh you know, uh, fitness, uh, uh, just where they they get tough. You got to get tougher. You know, you, they can't they can't leave any stone unturned. Uh, that's what they have to go to because they've got all the talent in the world. They've got the team. They got the players. They just got to get that middle toughness, and uh, before they can push you through to that next level. My co-host uh, purposely asked you that because I've been a Cowboy <laughs> fan my whole life. So he purposely asked you what's wrong with the Cowboys instead of what's right with the Cowboys. Well, that's a two-headed snake there, you know. And one of them will bite you, and the other one will pamper you. But, uh, yeah, they. God, it's hard to. It's hard to put your finger on it. You know, they've got all that talent. You know, they've got all that ability. 
uh, but they, they, they lack inconsistency. And hopefully one day, you know, somebody will do something that will get them over that hump. Mel, you do think is Dak the quarterback that that can get it done? Like, can the Bronc or can the Broncos, can the Cowboys beat a team that wins a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott as their quarterback? Well, I used to think so, you know, and I still kind of think so, but I I, I, I have my doubts uh, from time to time because uh, I, I harp on consistency, right. consistency. Uh, the great ones, uh, they're going to be consistent. He just hasn't shown that consistency, but it may happen next year. It's always next year. Mel, I want to ask you about uh, the wide receivers of today. We'll see uh, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl, Justin Jefferson, a lot of good young wide receivers. Uh, You could easily have covered these guys, right? Oh, yeah. There would have been no problem. (laughs) No no question about it. Yeah. Any any receiver that can't get me out of my back pedal is doomed. (laughs) And those guys couldn't do it. They're not fast enough. Okay. I like that. How do you watch games with, um, I guess, the rule changes that help the offense? Like, how often are you sort of upset or mad watching a game thinking, eh, that's not Uh, how this game should be called? I hate it. I hate it. I mean, I'm saying back when I played, you couldn't do that. That would not happen. Uh, I've seen games won and lost on – the change of rules are just totally bad calls. I mean, big games, important games, won and lost on bad calls. That that should not happen. All right, I've got to ask you because you're a ten-time Pro Bowler. We had the Pro Bowl in Vegas last week. I we like to refer to it as the two-hand touch game. Uh, was it more serious in your time? I I know Pro Bowl is about don't get hurt, you know, have fun. I get all that. I have to believe when you played in ten of them, though, it was a little more intensity in terms of you know wanting to show your ability it couldn't have been like this was it or was it more let's not get hurt fellas and let's just you know get out of here without anyone being we, injured we, we played like it was a regular season a regular thought. game That's what I, I mean thought. we were at it uh hard tackling and played as hard as we could to win of course there was an incentive for money not that much but still we played hard you know we tackled uh we gave it all i had it was hard for me to watch this. this I was wondering this, about this, that. Yeah, to watch it was that. hard for me to watch. Matter of fact, I, I didn't watch much of it. <laughs> well, you I were just, in the I you're just, in the majority there. Yeah, I don't think I don't think, I don't too think many, many people. people yeah. They saw the first drive and they said, "If this is what it's going to be about, then we're not yeah, watching this." Yeah, I, I was the same way. I just you know, being having played in ten of them and given my heart and, and, and all the things that, that that happened and that I had done and what had been accomplished over the past uh, set up precedence for how that game should be played and to see how it's played today was to me just very disappointing mel renfro with us uh mel you did a lot of kick and punt returning in your career i'm curious how much did you like that part of the job i loved it every chance i could get my hands on the ball i mean that that was me i was a runner uh, in in high school and college uh just loved to carry the ball so you know, it, it was a, a pleasure. You know, when you played uh, uh, high school, college, offense and defense and all special teams, you know, you got used to it and you, you loved it and you enjoyed it. So, like I say, every time I could get my hands on the ball, you know, I was ready to run. Are you disappointed that it appears the NFL is sort of phasing out the kickoff, making it a less a part of the game? Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, the ball goes in the end zone and, you know, it's over. God, I mean, let the guys get the ball and run with it. Let's see some action. And 
It, it, you know, it's just like the Pro Bowl. It's, it's like the kickoffs in the in the league nowadays. Just it, it's not enjoyable. So, and being, you know, having grown up and done the things that I've done and played the type of football, it's just hard to see the way some things are taken care of now. And, well, I don't know if it'll ever change, but uh, you know, you got to hope for the best. You guys at Oregon, I think, set a 4:40 relay world record at one point. Was football always the path for you? Because you're such a great track athlete as well in track and field, or did you always know that that was just a way to stay in shape? And you had this great track team that won the national championship, and you were always going to go to football. Well, I, I knew that football was going to be it. Of course, I enjoyed track so much. Loved to run. Always loved to run. Uh, and uh, we were had such a great group of guys that win that national championship in 62 yep uh and we had some speed uh but like i say football was my first love and uh it just happened that i ended up playing football and not you know being a track guy who was your fastest teammate ever well um well gotta say bob hayes uh on the pro level yeah i mean he's good world's fastest human you know, <laughs> I just had fun with him in practice because I you know it's a little different than running the 100 and then playing football and backpedaling right. and catching passes but, you know we had a lot of fun and, and Bob came and, and contributed a lot to our, our offense back in, in, in when he came into the league and uh, of course he revolutionized the, the zone defenses you know, they had to come, they had no man-to-man. They, they, they had to come out of their man-to-man because they couldn't cover him one-on-one. So <laughs> a lot of the teams, when they played the Cowboys against Bob, they would go to zone just to uh, defend against the long pass. I know you're going to say no one, but were there guys that gave you trouble, that when you played them that week, maybe a little extra film watching, maybe a little, oh, this guy gives me trouble? No, you're right. No one. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Gray. Nobody. Mel Gray. No. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals, because he could run really fast. And anytime you're backpedaling and the guy that fast is coming at you, you know, you got a problem. But right. You figure out, if, you, if you're a good DB, DB and you figure out a way to cover the guy, you're going to figure out a way to do it. And uh, I knew what I had to do to put myself in position to make sure I covered him, and especially on the deep passes. Right. So, Mel, do you like the mindset when Jalen Ramsey says that he wants to shadow Jamar Chase all over the field? Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's just, just mental toughness, and that's, that's the way you play the game. You know, you, you, take, you take the advantage uh, physically, uh, emotionally, uh, any way you can, and, uh, you know, get the job done. How do you watch a game now? Do you watch the corners first? Yeah, I think I do. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's... It's a different type of game now, Dave, with all the different type of defenses and the different spread sets, and sometimes it's hard to figure out what, what they're doing and to, to, to zero in on the point of attack. And uh, uh, you, you, you think that he's handed the ball off and he's faked and he's running around and throwing the pass. You know, it's, it's foolery. It's all right. stuff that uh, we didn't have back in my day. It was more... Uh, smash mile football and you know going running at them and uh, they're coming at you but uh, nowadays because of maybe it's the audience and that's what tv wants but uh it's, it's entertaining enough i enjoy watching the game and i try to figure out you know what they're trying to do to each other as the game goes along right. 
Mel Renfro with us, Pro Football Hall of Famer. You are teamed up with Icky Woods to partner with Southern Recipe and their pork rinds? Yes, sir. Boy, I remember Icky and the Icky Shuffle, and he's here shuffling around today selling those pork rinds. <laughs> <laughs> Bless his heart. Gained a little weight, but, you know, that's what those pork rinds won't do it to you. But he, I'm sure he eats other stuff. And lots, he a, he and, and lots of here, it. He sat down here. He had a banana. He was healthy Yeah, this I saw it. He had yeah, a banana. Bless his heart. Yeah. Trying to be healthy. Well, he is Mel Renfro, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Mel, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank My you, My pleasure. Enjoy being here. It. You bet. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. All right, Ben, Super Bowl's almost here. I'm curious, what are your favorite prop bets? Oh man, I got I got so many. I don't know if we can cover them in 15 <laughs> minutes, but we'll try our best. So uh, I don't know. I do really like Samaje P. Ryan over 2.5 rushing yards. You can find that at DraftKings Sportsbook. I uh, didn't get a carry last week, but has definitely been involved as you know the number two uh, more receiving back option in that Bengals offense. I do expect Cincinnati to probably be playing from behind. Uh, I also think they're probably going to have to circumvent uh, the rush attempts around Aaron Donald in a lot of situations. He moves in. He moves inside basically on first down uh, into that interior defensive line front. Uh, about 50% of his offensive snaps on first down moves out to the outside uh, in an obvious pass rush situation. So I do think that, you know, with Samaj P. Ryan on the field, we're going to see him probably kick out to the outside. I do think that's going to open up with a couple uh, quick draws for P. Ryan. So him going over 2.5 rush yards, probably one of my favorite uh, player prop bets. I do really like this game to go under as well. So I think a play on like over. 6.5 total punts makes a lot of sense uh, if you expect this game to probably be choppy to start, which is kind of what PFF uh, is projecting right now. Oh, we can't be betting over on punts. I'm here to I'm here to enjoy it. <laughs> there's part of it to make money, That's, but I'm here to enjoy it. Enjoy it. There's and there's a lot to probably uh, enjoy as well. I'm, I'm, what are you, what are you, what is your favorite player prop here so far that you've locked? And well, I know you got a couple good ones. There, I think so. my favorite thing here is I'm just expecting a lot of field goals. So right, like right. over three and a half field goals. I know it at one of the sports books here, you can bet on the exact number of field goals. And I think six field goals in the game, if there's exactly six, uh, I think it's 12 to one. So like I, for whatever reason, I'm like, they're just kicking field goals every time they get past the 50. That's all they're doing. No touchdowns. Right. I mean, and that's, and that kind of plays into, I think like the punting aspect of it too, right? Both coaches, Sean and Bay, Zach Taylor aren't necessarily known for being really aggressive in their fourth down decision-making. So obviously that manifests uh, probably in more punts than expected and more field goals. So I think we're at least, uh, you know, have the same train of thought uh, when it comes to, you know, our betting opportunities. It's just you're taking a much more enjoyable approach I think, yeah. than I am right now. So. I'm expecting 35-yard drive and then they kick something, not right. two-yard drive and then they kick something. Uh, is Okay, which, which Bengals receiver do you think people should be betting on? Higgins, Boyd, or yeah. Jamar Chase? I think it's definitely going to be T. Higgins, over 5.5 receptions. That is one of my favorite uh, player prop bets as well. I do think that we're going to see a lot of Jalen Ramsey on Jamar Chase. I do think that matchup actually works uh, really well in the Los Angeles Rams' favor. I mean, Jamar Chase doesn't necessarily move around the formation a whole lot, kind of parked in one particular uh, you know spot running his route. So I do think we're going to see Ramsey in one-on-one coverage in him on him quite a bit, and I do think that's a spot that Ramsey can definitely win. So if you think the Bengals are going to be successful offensively, 
Uh, I think it's going to have to come through T. Higgins. Of course, the Rams defense has been really susceptible to you know intermediate and underneath throws to the middle of their field. They do have Taylor Ratback, but I, I think that's going to help their pass coverage uh, in those situations. But uh, Higgins is going to have to win. He's going to have to win over the middle, and he's going to have to win a lot in order for the Bengals, I think, to keep pace in this matchup. So him to go over 5.5 receptions, I think, is one of the best uh, player prospects from the Cincinnati Bengals perspective in this matchup. I don't know what the price has gotten to, but uh, is there? Are you betting Cooper Cup to score a touchdown? I I think I am. I like him. I I actually like an approach I've taken with Cooper Cup basically over the last like seven weeks is I kind of like playing him in these like same game parlay type things that have become really popular in the sports betting market, especially in twenty twenty one. So if you like him to go over eight point five receptions, which I definitely do, I think you can pair that with an anytime touchdown, and get a pretty decent plus price. Uh, if both of those hit, I do think that he's probably going to have a pretty another high target volume game. I know a lot of people like Odell Beckham Jr. I think it's going to be another Cooper Cup type show. My only concern is if uh, the Cincinnati Bengals offense isn't able to keep pace uh, and return and they turn into you know a really run heavy approach from the Rams offense in the fourth quarter. It's kind of my one concern, but I like Cooper Cup quite a bit. I don't think you know Michael Hinton can slow him down in any sort of manner. He has had some success, but I think the tip, most difficult matchup for the Rams. Uh, is Odell Beckham Jr. with Chidube Awazie. And I think that's the reason why you should probably lean in Cooper Cup's direction more so than Odell Beckham Jr. in this matchup. Do you like to bet the player to score the first touchdown, or do you stay away from that and just go anytime touchdown? I typically stay away from that. I know there are, you know, some like promotions and things at various sports books that, you know, will give you a free bet on, you know, that first touchdown score. So that's the spot that uh, I'll definitely probably take advantage of. But it's not, it's not one that I'm really handicapping it is. It seems it's not completely random, but it is a pretty difficult uh, market to project well to the point where I think it's worth risking a lot of money over. So I typically avoid it for you know more of an anytime touchdown market or you know some of the more generic player props that we have offered. My favorite way to lose twenty dollars every Super Bowl is to pick a defensive player to have an interception. Which one do you think gives me the best chance? That's a that is a good question. I mean, I I think it's going to be Ramsey. I think has a decent chance. I think Taylor Rapp, if they do target you know heavily over the middle, he could get an opportunity on a tip pass to get an interception. So one of those two guys, I think, probably makes the most sense. I know a lot of people think you know Matthew Stafford has been prone to the turnover worthy type plays here, but I expect him to play a pretty clean game. So I'm a uh, I'm I'm riding Matthew Stafford's under 0.5 interceptions at a plus price. So I'm looking on Joe Burrow's side. Despite the fact that he's probably been, you know, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL during the football here, and it could be something where a tip pass over the middle or something else obviously leads to uh, an interception from the Rams side. So that's that's the guy I like. Taylor Rapp, I think, is the play from my perspective. Hey Ben, uh, so Matthew Stafford is the only Ram with a rushing touchdown in the playoffs this year. How do you like his prop bet to score a rushing touchdown at plus five fifty? Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I also like him to go over his rushing yards at five, at five point five rushing yards. He has been pretty involved in getting some of those quarterback sneaks through the goal line. So I think for a sprinkle, it definitely makes a, a lot of sense. And I like him to go over. Yeah, like I said, I like him to go over his rushing yards. So I do think that is, you know, the next element and hitting it at a plus five cent price makes a lot of sense. But I, I, I'm on board with that one. I don't think it's going to be Michelle or Cam Akers really getting those goal line carries near near the end zone. So. Should we just in general be going over on rushing attempts and rushing yards because we think both these coaches might run the ball more than they should? I mean, yeah, I definitely would, you know, pick my spots with certain guys. Like I, from my perspective, I think the Bengals are going to be playing from behind early. I 
I don't want them to uh, be heavily running on first downs like they have been basically throughout the playoffs. So uh, from my perspective, I don't really want to play like Joe Mixon to go over 16.5 rush attempts, but uh, maybe that's the spot that you want to get involved with because you do think that the Bengals are going to play from, you know, play being playing ahead early on in this matchup. Uh, but yeah, I'm not really on Joe Mixon more so than uh, I'm looking at some other ulterior guys in that Russian attack game. All right, last one for you before we let you go. You said you'd bet the under. How how low would you actually bet the under? Like if you teased it down. Yeah, I mean, so I do have I do have some some same game parlays sprinkled with Aaron Donald at two plus sacks, uh, Von Miller getting a sack, and the alternate under at forty two point five. I think that makes a lot of sense. We just haven't seen the Bengals offense be. Uh, hit near their ceiling like they did in that Week 17 match against Kansas City. They've kind of been, you know, a little bit or hit or miss throughout the playoffs. Obviously, they've done enough to win the games, but uh, haven't haven't blown anybody out. So I'm not really buying into you know them putting putting the clamps basically on or beating the doors basically off the Rams defense. So I like a lower scoring game. I think 42 and a half makes a lot of sense. Obviously, that's right above you know key number 42 on the total. So I think that's where I'm probably looking at some ultimate marks, and I do think that it's going to probably finish. Closer to, you know, like a 21-17 type game is my projection right now. Well, he has been Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Good luck on the Super Bowl. Thanks, guys. Good luck to you. Enjoy the show. So there is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Coming up next, we catch up with Gene Steratore. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. Joining us now is Gene Steratore. Gene, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, Tyler. How are you doing? I am excellent. So, okay, I have a very important question for you. When you're on CBS, do you get excited when you get to come on TV to explain a controversial call, or do you not want to see any controversial calls so you don't want to have to come on TV and explain anything to us? (laughs) It's a really, really good question, Tyler, right? Because you actually are at that place where you feel like the insurance agent. I'm here for you, but hopefully you don't need to call me today, you know, but, but in the event that the pipes have broken and the water's coming through the ceiling, somebody has to fix this right now, or at least tell us why this happened. And and inevitably in in my position with CBS, which I love tremendously, that is the case. And, uh, and, you know, you hope, um, even though uh, as an official, I always knew that the decisions that I made personally or the crew made was going to make half of the fans uh, happy and the other half unhappy. Uh, This seat is very similar in the same regard that what I'm about to explain to you that I feel has happened, and at times, hopefully more times than not, reinforced by the final rulings on on some of these plays, it's going to upset half of you. But but the other half, uh, they're going to like you, and, and hopefully when cooler heads prevail and emotion goes to the wayside, you do hope that what you've explained or what the rationale as to why something was ruled a certain way, uh, uh, like it or not, is at least accepted as, you know, at least that makes some sense in a consistent, objective way. And, uh, and, and really enjoy that part of the process, right? You always want to make the casual viewer and the very interested viewer uh, more in tune as to what is going on down there with everything and everybody. And, and the third team that's on the field, although they don't want to be noticed, and that's the best thing that can happen for that group on the field, 
Uh, at times, you are put into that position where you need to be noticed and you need to be recognized or it needs to be cleaned up or explained to me. Uh, and, and this role has, uh, and CBS has done a, just a great job, and I'm very thankful that they've allowed me that platform to not just come in and say, hey, I don't think it's a catch. Uh, at other times, it's, you know, this is why I feel like they didn't call XYZ, because there is a level of subjectivity there, and, and based on the philosophies that you've learned, you, you, you hope that what you're explaining is, is accepted and embraced as, wow, this, is, this wasn't easy either, and, and they appear to be doing that the same way, game in and game out, and, and that's the hope. And, and then I think at the end of the day, the product wins, the game wins, and the, and the viewer wins because they're more informed and something they love very much to watch. And this is a small part of that, but it's an important part as well. In your career, what was more fun to officiate, the NFL or college basketball? Oh, um, honestly, Ty, I think it, it was whatever game I had that day, right? I mean, it, they both had uh, things that were unique to them, whether sport. Uh, the NFL and the production of an NFL game from the beginning, three hours before, the preparation, the preciseness, the professionalism, the entertainment level of the National Football League, is it's difficult to have anything supersede that. It, it, it is what it is for the reasons it, it is. And, uh, uh, and it's, the, it's the greatest product, in my opinion, you know, of sports that we have. Uh, with that said, I can tell you there is absolutely nothing like being in uh, a really hot college arena with five, 6,000 fans in the band and the student section and the feeling that college athletics brings to, uh, to a game or a contest. It's a different type of crowd uh, and unique and beautiful in its own way. So in all honesty, whatever ball I was playing with that night or whatever with my stripes that day it really was the only place i wanted to be that night and it was the best show on earth in my personal world uh regardless of what shape the ball was that day i I just really did love them both equally when i was in the moment is there any specific rule you would like to see changed in the nfl um you know there's been pushback and forth about the fumble forward through the end zone right and uh and whether that should be a touchback or just brought back to the spot of the fumble, like all other forward fumbles that end up out of bounds. And, and I, and I've wavered with that, right? I've always felt like the end zone was hollowed ground. And, and I defended the fact that, look, you, you know, it's the end zone. If you can't, if you're reaching for it and you lose it, the, the severity of that kind of punishment uh, should be bigger than, Hey, you just get another crack at the half yard line or one yard line. Uh, but I think as I've gone through, you know, watching it happen, seeing it happen, seeing it, it almost feels a little bit off to me. Like just keep it consistent with the other forward fumbles that end up and go out of bounds. And it seems like it fits more into that, that window of consistency. Um, but, you know, I, I can say this to you too, as far as the rules are concerned, I think the rules are set very well. I think what, what we should pay attention to as, as each season begins and then as we go through each season, it really are the points of emphasis that the uh, stakeholders of the game put in each preseason that make a bigger impact many times than a new rule. And uh, that's when we see, wow, they seem to be calling defensive holding a lot tighter than last year or pass interference or allowing this to happen more than they used to or something like that. And that, that's Let's wrap, please. portion of how the rules are kind of pushed and the narrative is pushed to the officiating 
I think that makes a bigger impact on the games year in and year out and sometimes week in and week out. Uh, and that's a difficult challenge as you navigate season. Well, he is Gene Steratore. Gene, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy Radio Row and the Super Bowl this weekend. Thank you. Let's have a great finish to the week and cap it off with a wonderful Super Bowl. So there was Gene Steratore. Uh, caught up with him earlier. And that has got to be... I don't know if that's the best profession, but at least like the most surprising great profession is that retired referee gets to become essentially the rules expert that comes on maybe a couple times a game to explain a rule that we might not actually know about. Like, that's incredible. It's an amazing job. I don't know how, I don't even know who came up with that. Who was like, you know what we need? We needed a former referee to come on and explain to the announcers like once a game, the one time that there's a rule that eh, not everybody might know, like an inadvertent whistle in a playoff game and explain what's supposed to happen there. What a great job. I think the NFL was just tired of getting emails from angry fans about calls that were made. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they still get them. I'm oh, sure I'm it sure still happens. <laughs> but it is like that, that profession is tremendous. So Gene Steratore does that for CBS. Um, also, the the thing that's, I don't know if amazing is the right word, referee, but like Gene Steratore doing the NFL and college basketball is all, I don't know, it's funny to me just because he kind of explained it there, how the NFL is the biggest, you know, display of sports in the United States, right? It's an entire production, not just the actual television production, but the entire game itself is a production. And college basketball, like he said, sometimes you're in a hot, sweaty gym and there's 3,000 people there. Like, just the the vast differences between college basketball and the NFL. And NFL referees, uh, you work once a week. Granted, a lot of them have other jobs. Most of them have other jobs. But, you you know, your game is once a week. In college basketball, these guys will do four and five games a week. They will work one night in Kansas, get on a plane, and be in Las Vegas calling a game the very next day. Like, the college basketball schedule for referees is insane. Now, granted, they get paid quite a bit of money to call those games, and that's why they do it, because it's like, oh, it's a whatever, $50,000 for a game, a Mountain West game, or whatever that uh, paycheck actually is. But, like, it pays good. That's why they're going to do it. But it's insane, and it's it's actually probably one of the problems in college basketball officiating. Granted, there's probably a lot, but they need more officials, or they need to restrict the amount of games officials do. Uh, simply because the the quality of officiating should be higher and you get to a point where guys are doing games every single night and they are flying across the country to do games, it's probably not ideal for that. I think the only only sport where that probably happens more is baseball, but that's because there's baseball games every day and you don't really have a choice. (laughs) Like every team plays every day. So yeah, the umps are probably going to have to call it every day as well. But yeah, there's Gene Steratore from Radio Row. Uh, we've got some more interviews coming up. We're going to catch up with Ed Graney at 8.15. We're going to have Andrew Siciliano on the show, the host of DirecTV's NFL Red Zone. Also, later in the show, we will have tickets to go see John Mayer. Also want to let you guys know, tonight, I'll be out at PT's Pub on Tropicana in Maryland. UNLV plays Boise State at 8 o'clock. we got a watch party going on. Come watch UNLV Boise State with us. We'll have a lot of prizes to give away. That includes beer for a year from Miller Lite, staycation at the Stratosphere. So come out tonight. I'll be out at PT's Pub on Tropicana and Maryland from 8 to 10 for UNLV and Boise State.